0: Last week, uh, we said that Jesus came to the disciples during the storm. So if you could put that slide up, that would be awesome. The disciples were in the storm, they were tired, and Jesus came to them. And then we talked about how Jesus purposely allows us to struggle sometimes. And we're not always happy about that, but he has a bigger picture in mind. And then we said this faith is strengthened when it faces trials and tribulations it has never faced before, and comes through the other side of it by staying focused on Jesus. That's where we left off last week in uh, the book of Mark. And I want to reiterate to you right now that this is at the height of Jesus' popularity. And it's one year before the cross. And the opposition is starting to heat up, and this is the time in the last year of Jesus's ministry. He's going to start spending more time concentrating on the twelve and the seventy than the crowd. And this is like the 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 big hurrah, if you want to say, of of the uh, his ministry in Capernaum, especially. So you have your Bibles. I need you to turn to Mark chapter six. Just a few little verses, and sometimes you wonder, Holy Spirit, why did you put this in here? And then it suddenly becomes evident as we kind of work through the text. So Mark chapter 6, beginning at verse 53, it says this. Now remember, they were going just a few miles down the shoreline, and they got blown off course, and suddenly they arrive. And it says this, when they had crossed over, so dawn is breaking, remember, Jesus came walking on the water in the fourth watch of the night, probably right before dawn. And it says, when they crossed over, they came to land at Gethsemane and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him. I mean, there's no Twitter, there's no Facebook, there's nothing. But they know this guy named Jesus. And they ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came in villages, and this is almost a summation, and wherever he came in villages or cities or even the countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. I have a actually a picture of a map of just to give you a perspective. They're over here. They got blown off course. They land over here, and they're gonna they're gonna walk to Capernaum, and eventually they're gonna get to Bethsaida. But this is just like two miles. It's like going from uh, Loman to Del Rey off of this, you know the twenty five. It, it's just not that far. And as they're walking, and remember, it's the dawn of the new day, people recognize that it's Jesus. And they're like, go, go get anybody that's sick or ill. And they bring them just in close proximity to Jesus. That if they just touch the hem of his tassels as he's walking by, they're getting healed. I mean, you have to kind of understand this frenziness, this this crowd that's just gone crazy. Now here's the major point of the passage. Mark is summing up the fact that Jesus is a healer. And not just a healer. He is the healer. Because if you remember from last week in the other passage, it said this in Matthew. And when he got into the boat, that is Peter and uh, Jesus getting back into the boat the wind died down and ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. That was, you are God in the flesh. That's what they were saying. God in the flesh. And I don't know if, if, if it starts connecting the dots, 2 plus 2 is 4, all the mathematics, all the logic is coming together, that suddenly they realize that Exodus 15 is right in front of them. Exodus fifteen twenty six says, For I the Lord am your healer. Do you know in Isaiah it says about the Messiah that he is going to be so gentle that he's not even going to bruise a reed that is broken or snuff out a wick that is just smoldering. You, you ever put out a candle before and it still has that little ember and it's kind of on fire still, but it's not quite out and it's not quite on? says that this Jesus, this Messiah, is going to come and He is going to have such a tender heart towards people and those that are broken and those that are burnt out, that He's going to come alongside them. In fact, Psalm 107 says this, that God delivers those in desert places, the hungry and the thirsty. I don't know. I don't know. What was your week like this week? Were you in a desert place? I mean, were you, were you spiritually hungry? Were you just kind of malnourished this week? Were you longing for... You know, we sing songs, and some of these songs are new, and so we're not all yet learned them. But boy, the content of the songs are all about, I want to be in your presence, Lord. I don't care about March Madness. Stone me if you wish. I would much rather be in the presence of my Lord because I don't know if you've ever thought about or pictured God on His throne that Jesus doesn't have a smirk on His face. He's doesn't have a frown in on His face. You know, wherever Jesus is, there's absolute, complete joy. Joy. That, that innocence, that, that beautiful joy that Everything is perfect and beautiful because in the presence of God, everything is perfect and everything is beautiful. And that's where my heart longs for when I'm in the desert place. Sometimes my desert place is at 3 a.m. in the morning. Is that when your desert place is? When you wake up and your mind's thinking and, and you're just. Well, you're not filled with that way. You just feel a little empty and dry. Or Psalm 107 says that that God delivers those in darkness, in the shadow of death, those that are near death or in bondage. Oh, there's lots of bondage out there, isn't there? Yeah, we think of prisons, but we also think of addictions. Sad to say that the rate of addiction for men on pornography, is the same in the church as it is outside of the church. That we are addicted to news. Some of us are addicted to the radio, to talk radio. Some of us are addicted to food. Some of us are addicted to stimulants. Some of us are addicted to the praise of men. Some of us have so little value, at least we feel like we don't have value, that we are just addicted To always posturing and putting on a mask so that we're liked. Or 107 says this that God delivers those in sickness and in disease, and God delivers those in storms. I love what Paul says in Corinthians. He says this for all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. Isn't that cool? Every promise that God made finds its fulfillment in Jesus. Somehow, some way, it's connected to Him. So here's what we're going to talk about. It's it's kind of a weird text because it just says that Jesus walked from this spot to this spot and the whole countryside emptied out just so that He could heal them. Jesus is our healer. So here's the very first fill-in-the-blank. That is... Jesus is our healer. and There are different variations of being healed, but one of them is emotionally. You know, we've already saw in the book of Mark that he touched a leper. Remember who a leper was? A leper was an outcast. A leper was somebody that was contagious. Someone that had to stay outside so far of social Constructs. You couldn't go to the marketplace. You couldn't be with your wife. You couldn't be with your children. You couldn't go to church. You couldn't go to the marketplace. You were basically in exile. And Jesus comes along, and yeah, he's going to cleanse the leper, but what does he do? He touches the leper. That leper has not been touched maybe in years, let alone hugged. No, I'm not a touchy-feely kind of guy, but sometimes I need a hug. Only from my wife though, okay? So nobody after church try to come hug me. Okay. You, whatever. <laughs> Emotionally, Jesus was healing this man. Emotionally. You've heard the saying sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will what? Is that true? You know, when I get bruised, and I usually have bruises all over my body because I'm clumsy, and I hit myself doing various things, all the time that stuff heals up. But it's what's said that goes to my heart that wounds me and breaks me and needs healing. He cleansed a leper because he was saying, you're valuable, you have worth. You were an outcast, but now you're huggable. See, Jesus heals our emotions. Been hurt by someone? Yeah. Been hurt this week? Maybe. Cussed at? How does it feel when you get cussed at? How does it feel when you're belittled? You're made to feel like you're stupid. Because the person's talking to you in a tone that just is shredding your emotional inside. And you're made on purpose to feel worthless. Insignificant. How about being betrayed? Is that an emotional wound? How about being abused. There's all sorts of abuse out there. Sometimes it's sexual abuse. And the scars are so deep that need to be touched. You know the craziest thing in the world that has been in my ministry is when I run into people that have been abused sexually. Sexually. And they'll take a razor blade and they will cut themselves and watch themselves bleed. And the pain that that blade brings, believe it or not, makes them focus on that pain so that the pain in their heart can just have a breather. You know, Jesus comes and He is our healer and He comes and He heals our emotional wounds. Discarded after being used, full of shame, hopelessness, pain, hurting people. We said it a few weeks ago. Do what? Hurt people. Have you ever run into those people... They don't actually wear a sign and they don't actually verbalize it, but they say, I'm miserable, so I'm going to make you miserable. You have any of those in your life? I'm miserable, so I'm going to make you miserable. But you know what? Jesus comes into our life and he begins to heal us, he begins to put salve on those wounds. And all those messages that our heart has heard, He starts to speak truth over. He starts saying, you are valuable. You were abused. That was wrong. I will protect you. I will make it right. I will come inside that heart of yours and start changing and giving you the power to live a life that has victory instead of being a loser. Are you with me on this? How Jesus comes in and emotion, he emotionally heals. You have to let him. Let me, let me throw that caveat out there. You can't keep far away from Jesus. And when Jesus wants to talk about it, you should talk to him about it that emotional pain. That's what happens during our prayer life. That's why we, we find ourselves in the Psalms. We find David being all those things before we just talked about, and he's crying his heart out to the Lord, and the Lord is able to put a salve on those wounds. Been through a divorce? I'm a child of divorce. I know, I know some of those pains, I don't even know I, what my life would be like without Jesus during my mom and dad's divorce. I really don't know. Sometimes I think, would I be in prison? I mean, that's how painful that was for me at that moment in time. And Jesus is not only our, our healer emotionally, He's our healer physically. That's the second fill in the blank. Jesus is our healer physically. What did he do in Mark? He raised Jairus' daughter from the dead who was 12 years old and at the same time he healed this woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. Her period had gone on for 12 years. She's anemic. She's tired. She's broke. And yet Jesus comes along and heals both of them. Heals one by raising them from the dead and heals another that the flow of blood stopped instantaneously. Sometimes we put more focus on this kind of healing than the other kind of healings that we're going to talk about. And I've been a part of instantaneous miraculous healings. Praise God. And I've been a part of people that have been made well over years. And I have been with those people that never have seemed to get well. And they go home to be with Jesus I want you to be challenged on this. And and here's the next slide. It says this, Have faith in the goodness of God, not on how He will heal. How He will heal you, rescue you, or save you, that is up to Him. Bad theology is saying, You know what, since I didn't get healed, that means God is not a good God. Or bad theology is saying, I must have not had enough faith, or the people around me didn't have enough faith. No, chances are... You did have enough faith, and God is good, but He has another plan to bring glory into your life to honor Him. This is what it says in Hebrews. You can turn there if you want to. It's an interesting passage. What he says, it's in the Hall of Faith. I don't know if you know where the Hall of Faith is, but it's chapter 11. But he says something really interesting in chapter 11. He says this, And what more shall I say, for time would fail me to tell you of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection, but then changes changes his tune he says and some were tortured well that doesn't sound happy that doesn't sound like Jesus healed refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment and they were stoned and they were sawn in two and they were killed with the sword And they went around in skins of sheep and goats, and they were destitute, and they were afflicted, and they were mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves. And all through this, they are commended for their faith, even though they did not receive what was promised." On September 14th of last year, it was a Wednesday, I got this prompting in my spirit to call my daughter. Hi, Danny. Danny, what's wrong? You're crying. She had just been told in the doctor's office that the mold that is in her blood has created... Assist in her brain and she was at the doctor's by herself Kyle her husband couldn't go with her and I happened to call at the very moment that she was told so we get off the phone my heart's breaking and I go for a walk and I'm I'm asking the Lord for healing, physical healing. Lord, I I know my daughter, and I know who she is to you, and I know what a servant of God she is. I know all these things, and I ask for healing. The healing didn't come, but the peace did. God overwhelmed me. With peace, because I was talking to him about these promises that I find in his word. And suddenly, this rainbow appeared out of nowhere that went from one end of my neighborhood to the other end of the neighborhood. And I was overwhelmed with his peace. Sometimes we ask for physical healing, and it doesn't come right away. That's because God has some other plan. But I tell you, He'll give you peace. Are you with me on this? He'll give you peace. The next slide says this, and and you know this one. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good, for those that love Him and are called according to whose purpose? My purpose for Danny or whose purpose? For God's purpose. Do you remember the the event of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? How many of you love that story? How many of you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are these youths, or youths, and they are accused of not bowing down before an idol. Now why are they in exile? Because they their whole nation used to bow down to idols and now they're galvanized in their their understanding they are not going to bow down to a to this this idol. And the king says, "If you don't, you are going to be thrown into a fiery furnace." I love their answer is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say this. "O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. We don't have to answer you. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand. But then they go on. But if he doesn't, be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. See, their faith wasn't wavering. They said God is able to deliver us, and if He chooses not to, we're okay with it. Because we're fulfilling His purpose. Now, you know the rest of the story. They were delivered. but That's not always the case, but I love their attitude. God is able to heal anyone in this earth. I don't care if the cancer is all throughout their body. He has the power. And He may do so. That's why we ask. But if He chooses not to, there's another purpose in mind according to His will. Because for a believer, can you throw the next slide up? For a believer, this is true. Nothing is fatal for a believer. You have already passed out of death into life by and through and for Christ. Did you know that? You have already been removed from a domain of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. And in John chapter 6, it says that you have passed out of death into life. Christians don't go through the same door other non-Christians do. I've heard it said this way. If I have my dog on the other side of the door and she can hear my voice. She has no fear about coming through that door. When I'm on the other side of the door and Jesus is calling me home, I have no fear because I want to be with my Master. And Jesus, number three, is our healer spiritually. Remember what He told the man that was being lowered down from the roof who's a paraplegic? He he can't use his arms, he can't use his legs, his friends are dropping him. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. You don't have to be judged. Judgment has already occurred. And you become a new creation in Christ, born from above. You have a DNA from the second Adam. Sin is no longer master over you. Because there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And we know that that phrase that comes out of Galatians. I have been crucified with Christ. I've died with Christ. It's no longer I who live. But Jesus is now living inside of me. Because I am now connected to Him. I'm born from above. I've been born again. I'm alive in the supernatural realm. I'm seated in the heavenlies. I have empowerment. To live a life of victory. Do you ever realize that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is working in you? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that's working in you. And you think, oh, I can't overcome this. Oh, yes, you can. Oh, I can't. Oh, yes, you can. Because the same power is in you. And then Jesus is our healer relationally. Remember the woman that was caught in the act of adultery? They all wanted to gather around and stone her and they wanted Jesus to participate in this. And you know what Jesus did? He bent down and started writing in the sand. Some theologians think that He was writing the names of the people in the crowd. And He turns up and looks at them and He says, you who are without sin, you cast the very first stone. And you know what happened? All those men that had those stones started to just drop them and walk away. And after a few minutes, Jesus looks up and everyone is gone except for him and the woman. And he says, Neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more the relationship has been restored because sin has been taken care of our relationships have to be healed you know in the book of ephesians it says that i'm going to paraphrase i'm putting my words into the text so bear with me and give me a little grace on this your soul doesn't have a color you're not black white red chinese whatever And yet, there's division in our world because of the color of our skin. Your soul doesn't even have a color. But it says in Ephesians that through Christ, that dividing wall has been torn down. Our relationships should be healed racially because of Christ. Our relationship between a husband and a wife should be healed. A relationship between a father and a daughter or a mother and a son should be healed because of the relationship. Our relationship with our neighbors begin to be healed. Our relationship with our siblings who we've had a falling out with starts to be healed, at least as far as it is up to us because God is a healer of broken relationships. Jesus heals my attitude. How many of you have a stinking attitude at least once a week for five minutes? Find something to complain about? Find something to be annoyed with? Do you know Jesus even heals that? He starts healing my attitude. He starts healing my perspective. He starts healing my thinking. And no longer am I engaged in stinking thinking, but I'm starting to think like Jesus. And instead of condemning other people, I start looking for the best in people. Instead of throwing rocks, I start carrying around bandages. Do you see how Jesus comes in and begins to overhaul you and heal you emotionally? physically spiritually relationally he is our healer but so many times we focus just on the physical aspect but jesus wants to come into your life and totally revolutionize every aspect of your brokenness so that he can turn you into the woman and the man that he has dreamt of i don't want to be the man rob dreams of becoming, I want to become the man that Jesus dreams me becoming. Are you with me on this? You know, there are four kinds of relationships. We've talked about this before that begin to heal. Some of them are instantaneous and some of them take on your whole life. There's this relationship between you and... And the Creator, God. Some people are afraid of Jesus. Did you know that? They're afraid of God. They think He's a policeman. They, they think He has a frown on His face. They, they, they just don't understand Him. And that relationship starts to get healed and we start understanding who He is and how we want to come into His presence. And then the relationship between me and, and others or you and others begins to get healed up a much better father and a neighbor and a friend and a wife uh, not a wife sorry a husband because of what Jesus has done in my life and then he also begins to work on me and me my relationship with me i feel comfortable in my skin finally after 54 years of of living I finally start liking myself. Maybe liking myself is not the right word. It's like I feel comfortable in my skin. I don't have to drive the nicest car. I don't have to have the best. I don't have to do the things that I used to in order to validate who I was as a person. I'm okay in my own skin. I don't care that I'm losing my hair and it's turning gray, whatever's left. I don't care anymore. I don't care because my cares have been changed to think and care about something more beautiful and that's Jesus and then the last relationship that gets healed so the relationship between me and God me and you me and me and me and my purpose or our creation work I've I look at work differently. See, before I used to get my value from my work. My tombstone was going to say, Here lies Rob. Made a lot of shampoo. Suddenly that became empty. And now I work and I work hard. Because it gives glory to God, not because I get anything out of it. All of this takes place when we allow Jesus in. So the question I pose have you invited him in? Have you invited him in to, oh, yeah, we do spiritually. Jesus, I want to be saved. But He wants the whole package. He wants all of you. He wants to heal you emotionally. He wants to heal you physically. He wants to heal you relationally. Will you invite Him in? Jesus is not a ticket to heaven. That's not what Jesus offers. He offers an invitation to come live with Him now in His kingdom. And the invitation is open to anyone. Anyone can respond. Let me pray. Father God, I thank You for You being the great healer that You are. I thank You that You're changing us. That we're different people than we were just last week, let alone a year ago. You're changing us and You're healing us emotionally. Where there are deep, deep hurtful wounds. You're healing us spiritually where we're no longer going after the things of the world, but going after the things of You. You're healing us physically. Father God, You're healing us relationally. Thank You for that. Father, we lift up those that we know are maybe in our midst that have not made a decision to follow You with their whole heart. And we pray that they would decide to follow You. As the old song goes, I have decided to follow Jesus. It's that personal decision. And we won't turn back. And we love You. We thank You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.